Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. In the booth today, we got none other than Thomas Milburn in the booth. He's back from vacay, and we're back, people. Now, there's so many great things happening at Calvary these days. Let me just jump into it before we get to Thomas. You can always go to calvarybible.com. You hear me say that every week in every podcast. Go to calvarybible.com, click your campus, click events, and find out what's happening in your neck of the woods. Also, we got great Easter services coming up. You need to go to calvarybible.com and find out exactly what is happening at your campus. Thornton, Erie, Boulder, online. Plus, we got the egg hunt. There's just so much goodness coming from Calvary these days. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you there. All right, Thomas, let's jump into the conversation today. Yes, Jay. First question. First question. You preached this last week. Okay. I don't know if I have enough coffee in the afternoon yet to answer this question. <laughs> and there was a young lady in the audience. Yes. Who did not know who Deion Sanders was. Yeah, totally. So you, <laughs> you made this great reference of a church that you attended in, in Texas. Yeah. And while Deion Sanders had given his life to Jesus, yeah. he was kind of shown some some favoritism of being totally. able to come into the church and sit wherever he wanted, where you and your aunt had to wait hours at the door totally. to get in. But she asked a clarifying question is, who is Deion Sanders? <laughs> and I want to know, how did you define Deion Sanders to her? Yeah, I said, he's the greatest shutdown <laughs> defensive player in NFL history. Mm. And he played on the greatest team. The Denver Broncos. The Dallas Cowboys. Mm, Dallas Cowboys. I forgot. So... She didn't realize her mistake. <laughs> and I said, now he's a TV personality and a coach at a university, Jackson State University. He's, he's actually he's actually one of the guys in the NFL who went to all-black school to be a coach, which is awesome. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He, he, could have, he probably could have coached anywhere in D1, probably assistant coach, but and he chose to go back to a historical all-black school to give back to his community. So I'm, I'm surprised you didn't also throw in like Major League Baseball. Yeah. You know, that's because he didn't play on my teams back then. <laughs> he played on the Reds, which are like garbage. <laughs> oh <my laughs> I hate the Reds. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge baseball fan. This is one thing we don't talk about on the podcast is my love for baseball. Yeah, we we shouldn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I understand <laughs> In the modern world, it's a pretty boring game in relative to like all the other things you can watch on TV. I get it, man. I think but in, it's in premise, it's like the most interesting game because it's not played on a field, right. like on a rectangle. Right. Every field can actually be different, yeah. theoretically. I mean, the, I guess the infield is the same. The bases have to be the yeah. same. Yeah. Uh, it's one versus nine, but yet it's an individual slash team sport. Yeah. Not timed. Not like, timed. There's so many fascinating things about it. And then I'm like, wow, what a cool sport. Let's watch it. And then I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's Yeah. But to play would be different. You know, it's the America's game in the sense of it's historic game that Americans have watched the most. Yeah. Outside of now the modern era of football. And I think it's really interesting just the history. And actually it teaches you probably... For me, it teaches me patience and actually that I don't have to be entertained every second of every moment 
to watch a sport. Yeah, I'm not sure if I watch sports to learn character lessons like long <laughs> suffering. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. All right, so Deion uh, Sanders, she now knows. What was his nickname? Showtime or Primetime? Primetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Primetime. Showtime. I don't that's like I think a TV channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That is a TV channel. But yes, Primetime. And yeah, you know what? Primetime. He gave his life to the Lord. It was amazing. He in that season of his life when he was at his prime. Primetime. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, the the Lord has ca- captured his heart. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And he's been faithful to the Lord. He's been adamant about his faith. And, uh, you know, he's not perfect, but no follower of Jesus is. And so um, I think it's pretty fun to watch him. I respect him a lot. Yeah. And um, to, to be fair, like, remember, your story wasn't a dig on Dion. No. Your story was just an example of how church leaders will sometimes show favoritism to people. No doubt. Because of what they perceive as their you know, value. So, all right, we're in James chapter two and you're talking about favoritism. Um, what, what kind of conversations have you had since then, either in your life group or with people afterwards that really drew out some more application? You know, I, I think one of the greatest, probably the hardest parts of preaching, especially the way in which we do at Calvary, where we just go from the, the text and whatever's the next text, the next week we, we preach on and, we get to a partiality and you're like, man, okay, James is pretty clear here. Is this going to be like even remotely, um, what was the word engaging for 25, 30 minutes? You know, that's like Calvary doesn't really struggle with partiality. Not that I think we do. I don't think we do. I've never seen it among us. I mean, you know, one of the things is pastors is we don't know who gives and who gives what here at Calvary. And that's just sort of, guard even our sinful hearts in the sense of not playing favorites because if i knew you gave me 10 million dollars i would treat you differently yeah yeah um but so you get to this text like this you're like okay i want to be faithful to those verses i want to be faithful to what james is commanding um sort of calling a church to and so one of the things is you don't get to talk about maybe the outside stories of partiality that are in the Bible as much as you would want. I would want to jump to, I think one of the best stories, let me say it this way, of partiality in the Bible is Jacob and Joseph and the colors mm. of his coat and what the implication of that leads to for a really long time. So like that hits my brain, you know, like what other Bible stories happen yeah. within the text, um, within the Bible about partiality. And um, another thing for me is I wish I had more time to talk about this, but um, God is doesn't treat people partial with partiality or favoritism. Like we're all sort of equal with him in the sense of um, he sees us all the same as human beings that he's created in the Mago Day who have a sin issue. So those are sort of the things that we're wrestling outside of. And here's the thing. I mean, I'm sure you experience this too. You get done preaching and the next day, two days, you're like, man, I, maybe I missed the point of this whole text. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so much. Well, one thing I really appreciate about your, your message on Sunday is, you know, it'd be so easy to start talking about 
how we treat people outside the church, yeah. you know, favoritism. But really, this letter is written to believers, like brothers and sisters. Yeah. So within the family, you can't treat people with with this favoritism or with discrimination mm-hmm. because it reflects on our witness to the world. It, it, it so does. And it actually it goes against the character of God. And I think that's really challenging to think about, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing also, like, this is this behind the scenes wrestling, but for the weeks leading up to this preach, I was like, there's a, I want to communicate that there's a benefit for all of us when we don't play favorites. And the benefit I think really is we get to participate just like God gets to participate in people's lives with no partiality or favoritism and disembrace them for who they are, what individual they, God has created them to be and how he's working in their life. I think that's super interesting. And like we miss out as when we play favorites, we miss out on actually seeing God work. And I think that's really interesting. To me. Yeah. All right. What do you think about this? So here in the ESV, it uses the words partiality and um, distinction. And it's not immediately apparent that those are actually being used in the negative sense. Yeah. Totally. Be- because we could say, you know, the Lord does show some partiality in like choosing Israel, right? To be no his, doubt. his covenant people. No but doubt. that partiality is not based on an outward value or appearance mm-hmm. of them. In fact, he tells Israel, hey, I'm not choosing you because you're bigger, stronger, better looking, um, but I'm choosing you because this is my will to do this. Um, we see that there is some distinction that we, we see in the New Testament where Paul encourages Timothy, show the elders, like teaching elders of double honor, like yeah, let them have honor. Mm-hmm. Um, if if we had people walk in the church, you know, I think of the Moxnesis, right? They spent their whole life translating the word of God into a new language. Um, and then we put them on stage and we honor them. Like there is some distinction there. The NIV obviously picks up this in, in the use of James in like the negative sense of the partiality is favoritism. And then the discernment or the, the um, uh, why well, I just base it, the word, not discernment, uh, distinction. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Distinction is actually discrimination. Mm-hmm. So it's the negative side of that. And it's based on, appearance right mm-hmm. so you're making a judgment of somebody based on how they look so in what ways would we see you know that there's like a really good way to value people and and then how do we caution people of not doing it in such a negative way yeah totally i think the i think you're sort of speaking on something really clear with we can honor those who have been faithful to god over a long period of time and unique and we should honor them and the Bible does tell us to honor them. And so like missionaries who translate the Bible or things like that, we should have them in the best seats of the house. Um, we should reserve that for them. Not because we get anything from that, is that we get to demonstrate their faithfulness over a long period of time. You know, I think partiality too, one of the hard things with the ESV is um, they use that word partiality. We don't, it's not a very common word for us. I think sometimes the ESV struggles with sort of the modern vernacular of Americans. Um, maybe not 10 years ago, maybe not 15 years ago, but really post-pandemic has really shown itself. I know. I, a don't, bit. I don't see anywhere in it. Like affinidipset, flex, <laughs> those sorts of words like aren't <laughs> showing up. But the NIV does say favoritism, and I think we understand favoritism a little more. 
So there's a little work in translating what partiality looks like and what favoritism. You don't really have to translate that. Um, so I hope that's sort of clarifying. Yeah. I think your point you made on Sunday was helpful for me. You, you talked about Samuel going to su- choose the next king of Israel. Oh, yeah, that's another great story. Oh, my goodness. Right, so he's looking at all the different brothers. Of Jesse. Of Jesse. Yeah. And God tells him, okay, because God's about to make a distinction, right? Oh, totally. And he's going he's gonna to be partial. He totally is. With his spirit. But what he tells Samuel is don't make a judgment based on outward appearance. Yeah, but look at his heart. And here's the, That's the thing, too. The scriptures are clear that with partiality, it's okay to be partial when you judge someone's heart, like judging someone's heart in the sense of knowing what they're, what's really going on. And you judge that by the fruits of the Spirit. Paul, I think, really does this well in the New Testament, helps us understand these distinctions of how we discern if someone's worthy or not worthy to preach, someone's worthy or not worthy to serve. You know, Stephen is, they're pretty partial to Stephen in Acts, but that's because, not because of his outward appearance, but because of his heart. And there's another story too, and I'll get back to Jesse. I'm just, this is clicking in my head now, is that Ananias and Sapphira in Acts, they try to buy their way into sort of this inner circle. And it seems like if you read Barnabas before, he sells a piece of property and gives it. It means Barnabas is really rich. And then all of a sudden, we never know that because they never are partial to Barnabas or game favor. And he goes, does mission work and all that stuff. It's just really interesting to me. Like, there's these sort of backstories of the Bible that really highlight partiality. Yeah. Okay. Back to Jesse, right? Okay. Back to Jesse. I think it's really, really interesting that. The first time they pick a king, they pick Saul, who's tall and handsome. He's like taller. The Bible says he's taller than any head above everyone else. That's really interesting. Most people in the world are taller than me (laughs) by a head. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But the second time around, God says, no, we're going to look at the heart. Now, I think God in his kindness lets that story unfold in some ways because he knows he can work with anything. He can work with Saul, which he does. He can work with David through his sin. He can work with Solomon. You know, he works with all the other kings. Um, God can use any material to push his glory through. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting distinction is knowing how Saul looked and then how David is. is He's a young boy. Well, I mean, he's the youngest still in the family. And um, it's just really sort of, it's one of those backstories. You're like, you know, this is the thing, Thomas. You know this. I know this. I want others to experience this. When you get around your God's word, there's all these weird connections that make it a lot of fun to read. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so true. And, and almost it makes it entertaining to read. Let me use that word, modern word, that we can read our Bibles and it can entertain us because of sort of the uniqueness that God does within his word with all these weird connections as long as we're willing to study willing to give time to it willing to read it to meditate meditate on it I think there's some really great lessons in it that so are fun I think you know we're, we're tying so many things of you know the Old Testament Jesus' teachings and then James here yeah. talking about 
hey, inside the church family. So, hey, family, this is kind of how we act, how we operate. Yeah. And one of the first things is, hey, we're as God's people, we're going to think of people as God thinks of them, which yeah. he always sees the interior of a woman. He sees the interior of a man, mm-hmm. right? So like, think about all these stories in which Jesus interacted with people who had the outward appearance of even righteousness. Yeah, like Nicodemus. Yeah, yeah. but not impressed. Not but impressed. then like all of a sudden the interior of like a very poor woman who brings two well, copper pennies, oh right? Gosh, that's a fantastic says, story. This is who we want to elevate, right? Yeah. And so when James is talking about this, you know, this idea of favoritism or discrimination is based on the appearance of either someone who comes in with wealth or the appearance of someone who comes in with poverty, right? Yeah. So you're judging somebody based on how they look, mm-hmm. which is just like the dumbest thing you could possibly do. It's the most human thing we do, though. But think, like, the world is trying to, like, wind this back yeah and they don't they actually don't know how to do it no they don't because they have no there's no basis there's no core there's no root of that is an image bearer of god a human being yeah is someone who's made in the image of god that's right and so that's how they have value and then let's look at the character of the interior of them so Mm -hmm. we're so we're trying to roll this back okay well you can't judge someone based on their skin color like that that would be ridiculous right you can't you can't judge them based on being a man or a woman but they don't know why they don't know why right here, James tells us, you know, like it's because it's going to go on to, they're an imago day. They're made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and you can't devalue what God has made. Like, these are his offspring. Mm-hmm. So, if we were going to define kind of favoritism, um, I think we were talking about this week, favoritism is giving something value, attributing value to it based on its appearance. Yeah. And then the discrimination um, is, or this distinction that he's talking about, is actually devaluing someone mm-hmm. based on appearance. Appearance. James yeah. says you, you can't do that. Their exterior appearance does not tell you who they are. Mm-hmm. Their interior and the fact they've been made in the image of God is going to be what we want to value. So maybe, maybe you should have preached this. No, we, this is better. from our conversation, man. I know, but this is really good. So here's my question. In what ways do you think evangelicals walk into churches and show value to people. Like, what are, like, you, you made a good point of, like, you know, it's not really the gold ring here, it's this gold fingers, like, they have wealth coming out of them. But what are evangelicals really impressed with? Like, who are, who are they giving front uh, seats to? Oh, man, political power. Mm, politi- we love political power. And it's really hurt us in the last two years. And it's a, I sort of know the root of this. This actually, this is sort of a nerdy ascent to this idea, but, um, this sort of idea of political power in the church in America, especially happened after the war and it happened with Eisenhower um, and um, just sort of the, there, there was something else that was going on too. And there was a spiritual awakening past world war two because of we saw evil. And so we knew that was bad. We actually experienced evil and for the next 10 years after that, we, we were in trials that told us that, you know, international courts that told us what evil looked like. And so there was a awakening of like, we need to be morally good people because this is what will happen. And I think Christianity thrived in that. And mm-hmm. I'm glad it did because we're some of the benefactors benefits from us, even as a Calvary Bible church changed and went into a new uh, denomination and, you know, grew in its faith and its love of the scriptures and you know we're here today because of that sort of that generational type thing um 
But since after World War II, we have the evangelicals think that if we have political power, we will have influence. And if you know your scriptures and know that actually Jesus is teaching, he's like, no, he uses the very vulnerable and the poor of the world to bring about his glory. So, and we fall, you know, I fall in a trap in that all the time. You know, I'm like, if we had Christians who were, say, a president, our country would be so much better. That's really true in some ways because they would have a value, a moral value, but it doesn't mean that we would get everything we needed to be a Christian country. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we play favoritisms by that a lot. All right, so if you have political persuasion, mm-hmm. even locally, yeah, nationally, I think maybe evangelicals fall into that trap. What what are some other ones that you might think of? Yeah, we 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 play favorites with our sports athletes. You like know, celebrityism. Celebrityism. Yeah, we're guilty of it. We're guilty as charged. And like another <laughs> past two years, we're watching the implications of that with these big celebrity pastors and Christians destroy their lives. And we're like, well, what do we do with that now? Um, I think that like they walked in the door, we would honor them just because we would want them to feel like we have it together as well. Mm. And, um, you know, I think those are probably the two major. Maybe I think we sort of have a favoritism with people who have like um, sort of that big tech favoritism too. Like those people know what's going on in the world. So let's, cater to them yeah in some ways and participate i don't know it's really that's a really complex issue um i just sort of reflections of off the cuff yeah those are good i think anytime we we lend ourselves to valuing someone based on like you had said what they can do for us Mm -hmm. right so oh, they have political persuasion let's elevate them in our church or oh they're celebrity they may have a a loud voice they might be a, a significant influencer let's 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 cater to them or even you know, I, I see this in churches where, you know, wow, they were very successful at building a business, a CEO. Let's hire them as an executive pastor, and yeah. they can bring those same skills and build the church. Uh, no. And you're like, whoa, time out. Time out. Like, qualifications inside the church are not those external things. Yeah. And, you know, I've actually, I'm so thankful for Calvary. This is like, when you preach favoritism and partiality in church, and then you live at Calvary, you're like, wow, we got it good. <laughs> but... You know, that doesn't mean some other scriptures don't really, you know, we need to listen to. But um, I was just going to say, I've seen elder boards in my time filled with CEOs and executives, or if you've made millions of dollars, you're an elder. That's a good elder candidate instead of a humble who has his household in order, who has a good standing within society, who loves Jesus, who's able to teach the scriptures, who's married to one wife. Like, that's another big one, I think. In evangelicalism, we build our elder boards off of what you uh, external successes, not internal ones. Yeah, I, I love that anytime God is elevating someone or giving some sort of requirements mm-hmm. um, or traits that you should look for in order to put someone as an overseer or someone in authority or whatever. Yeah, it's like, hey, be slow on the on the recent convert. We're not yeah. really sure where the faith has landed. Um, and then really honor these and look for the attributes and fruit of those who characterize like an interior of a life right. that is right and holy and good and blameless and gentle and wise. And humble. And hum- yeah. 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 You know, when the first year I was here at Calvary, 
I was so amazed that when I would find out a, a guy was an elder here at Calvary, they were doing like the hardest and unseen job. Like he was like, one was like clicking on slides and Calvary kids. One was, you know, um, doing like the parking ministry for Easter. You know, yeah. like it was like, what you're, you should, this is not my typical experience with elders. You know, one was like leading a no name ministry that no one knew existed, but it was a very important ministry here at Calvary. And he was just like, wow, these guys are like, as my favorite word, legit. Is this legit? That's and how true. their inner life reflected that. Yeah. All right. So big takeaways as far as, you know, we want to have eyes to see if, if we are showing favoritism um, in any way here at Calvary. Yeah. But how does the average person just kind of guard their heart? Because I think you made a really good point on Sundays. Like, hey, it's, it's not like the warning of these big catastrophic sins. Right. But it's the small ones that we really don't pay attention to, like favoritism, like gossip, like lying, white lies, that really erode the interior of our life, the character of our and life. speeding. I said speeding. <laughs> you did say speeding, which I was like, ah, is it speeding if you're going flow of traffic? <laughs> <laughs> you just got back from California. I, I was in California this last week, and right, we're going 85 on the highway. And I'm like, if I were to slow down, yeah, I, I would I put know. people's lives in danger. I'm in the I'm in the right lane. Uh, it's so true, Thomas. I, anyway, I totally get it. Anyway, I know, man, I get it. No, these are the small things that erode us, right? Yeah, so these, these are, are the, the small, small compromises that we don't pay attention to. Yeah. So, what would you encourage the average person at Calvary to say? Hey, I don't see any glaring, you know. Mm you know, omissions of this or commissions of favoritism. Yeah. But this is how we should guard our hearts or stay on guard so that these subtle things don't come in and erode us. Yeah, that's really true. Oh, man, I, I guess continue to read your Bible. <laughs> we always say that. <laughs> it's the it's key, a good one. It's key ingredient. Uh, I would say stay humble. I think one of the greatest dangers of uh, pride or if you have the feeling that you have it all together, is um, subtle sins. So if you stay very humble, you know, John 3, is it 32? Um, he must increase, I must decrease. Like that should be our motto mm -hmm. daily. Um, humility is a key, key ingredient as I read the Bible for God to work. Um, I would say those two things are really important. Also, check, you know, your motives of when you walk in a church and you you see individuals, who do you pick out? I didn't say this on Sunday because it's a little harsh. Um, and it's a little nitpicky at times. But, you know, there are definitely times I wonder if people come to talk to Thomas or Tom or the pastor who preached over someone who's new to Calvary because they can get something from you or make sure there's a status there that's weighed. You know what I mean? Yeah, usually what I give them is disappointment. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, the, I mean, you know, you're excited to see your preacher because they've been influential in your life, so I get that. And you want to communicate what God's doing in your world because you haven't seen them in a week or a couple weeks or you haven't checked in with them. So, like, I'm, I don't mean that, but, like, do you intentionally walk past three new people here at Calvary to go talk to one of the pastors uh, 
just to check in, you know, like, are you playing favorites with people you talk to on the weekend? And I get it. Like, you know, there's been seasons where I need to talk to my friends like on Sunday morning because I'm on the ropes or I'm discouraged and I need a kind word or a good laugh. So that's different. But, um, yeah, I think that's really important here that's too. Good. Yeah. And that's hard. I'm, I'm sure that's hard for you because you hate being that guy and it feels icky. But I think that's sort of true sometimes. Yeah, those, those are good that's examples. Re, that's a re, I mean, you're interviewing me on this weekly. You're probably like, I'm glad you interviewed me, Jay. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. This is no, good. This is good. I, I think being informed by those things, you know, check in, you know, what is your motivation? Um, somehow, I don't know how this happens exactly, but learning to value the things that God values. Gosh, right? that, man, if you could put that in your journal. Like, how, how do I change from, wow, that person drives, that person has, that person's wearing, to... Look at that! Look at that lady who's eighty-five over there, who maybe maybe committed a sin one time. Like yeah. she's just this holy woman, yeah. and I want to go hang out with her because I just know that there is this beauty that I need in my life. Totally. You know, one of the things about favoritism that you you learn it from your parents, your grandparents. I mean, it's like everything else in life; we learn it. So, if you're a parent or grandparent, you communicate way more in your actions to your grandkids or your kids than you communicate verbally. And I think I learned what partiality looked like and what it didn't look like from my grandparents. Mm. Yeah. And I thought, I think that's a life lesson that I've taken, you know, and I, I mentioned, Oh man. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm super fortunate to have godly grandparents and godly parents, um, in my life. Like, I know that not everyone has that. So I've learned a lot of that from them and how they treat others. Because I've watched more than than anything else over, over their lives. Yeah, they're a testimony to it, for sure. Yeah. So that means you, whoever's listening, people are watching you. You know, your your neighbors are watching. Uh, your coworkers. How do you treat the most annoying person in your cubicle land? You know, people are watching that. How do you treat um, those who are disenfranchised? How do you treat um, loved ones that no one else likes? That's tough. That's 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 livable faith. That's real faith. You know. Yeah. So those are big questions. Okay, I want to get to this, and I, we had, but in my study of James, I finally, after twenty years, I really think. This is probably the clearest and most helpful way to appreciate Book of James, and I made it early in the, the sermon. Um, but do you? How do you? How do you? How do you read the Book of James, Thomas? Well, like well, it's a letter. It's in a yeah. Set us up with what your discovery was because you shared it on Sunday. Not yeah. everybody who's listening today heard that. Yeah, there's there's some writings out there that say that maybe the book of James is a collection of James best sermons or some of the most important uh, sermons he preached in synagogue in Jerusalem. And I thought, gosh, that really helps me because it's so sporadic. Like when you read Paul's letters, they, they have some uniqueness of like, we're talking about this, talking about this, talking about this, but James is so cut and dry and it feels like there's no, on-ramps and off-ramps to his conversations. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I 
I think that's helpful. I think that's been really helpful to me in the last week of how to read James. It's like I'm just reading his best sermons or most important sermons. That's good. Yeah. I think early on in our study together with the teaching team, uh, Zach Thompson had sent out just a short article actually by a gentleman named Justin Taylor. Um, entitled the, the title of the article was Echoes of the Sermon of the Mount in the book of James. Yeah. And so he just like kind of lays out all the parallels between what James is doing and what Jesus taught on the sermon. And I think, you know, that's probably the way that I probably have started reading James more yeah. is what was he most familiar with? Probably the teachings of his brother. Mm-hmm. What did what did Jesus teach a lot of? Or what are they familiar with? Probably the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. and drawing his own teaching from that. Um, it's probably how I read the book of James. Yeah. Yeah, and we're probably, I would put those two together and say you're probably reading James' best sermon about here's what my brother said, here's how we should live it out. And then Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book, Thicker Than the Dictionary. Really? About the book Sermon of James? on the Mount. Oh. On the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, he did? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Martin Lloyd-Jones, he wrote a thick book on Romans. <laughs> I can't imagine the Sermon on the Mount. Well, oh, the things we could have done before Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it's good to be with you. Hey, Calvary, we're just so thankful you're listening. We're thankful you're jumping in the conversations. We hope this has been really helpful. Thanks for turning the interviewer and interviewee around today, Thomas. Jay, yeah, Jay, you're you're one of my favorite podcasters. <laughs> I'm the only one you don't listen to. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I know the hidden comment inside the comment. Hey, Calvary, we're so grateful. Uh, like always, you can write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. Check out some of the cool things happening here at Calvary by going there to our website, as well as in the podcasting universe. We have the next What Are We Reading uh, episodes of the weekly that came out last week. Jump in on that. We got a new book coming this next month. We want you to read along with us, Divine Conspiracy, and we hope that you will do that. All right, Calvary. Love you. See you next week.